The job of the blender is to combine these elements in such a way as to produce an overall flavor. A wider repertoire of different beverages than ever before. I think one of the most interesting breweries and certainly one of the most interesting origin stories for a brewery in Australia. Single malts, blends, grain whiskies, bourbons and more. If you want mezcal to be sold around the world, then unfortunately you're going to have to make a compromise. This is the Drinks Adventures podcast. I'm James Atkinson. And this is the show where I speak to some of the world's most exciting producers of beer, wine and spirits and uncover trends and issues in the drinks industry today. Back in season four of the show, we met Thomas Mooney, co-founder and CEO of Westwood American Single Malt Whiskey. Winemakers often say that great wine is made in the vineyard. We say great single malt whiskey is made in the brewery. Westwood is brewed like a pale ale, distilled like a traditional single malt, and aged in new American oak like a bourbon. The emphasis on the brewing stage of the process came naturally for Westwood's other founder, Christian Krogstad, and head blender and distiller, Miles Monroe, both of whom come from a brewing background. I caught up with Miles while he was in Sydney recently to launch Westwood's new cask strength expression, which follows a series of releases that have proven very popular in Australia, Westwood's biggest market outside the US. This is a special episode of Drinks Adventures, produced with the support of Westwood Whiskey, which is made in Oregon, USA. And I started this conversation by asking Miles whether the American single malt whiskey scene had progressed since we met Thomas in 2019. It's grown immensely, you know. Uh, yeah, even in those short couple of years, obviously we just see a lot more distilleries opening, which is fantastic. Um, but the category itself just gaining a lot of momentum. It really has in the last few years, especially. And I'm not sure if you two talked about this, but, you know, we helped form the American Single Malt Commission with five other single malt makers here in the country with the intention of kind of, you know, helping to define what American Single Malt is and lobby to help make it like an actual designation, like an actual term that we can use that, you know, there's a, a set of standards that you have to kind of apply to your whiskey process to then use that term on your bottle. And we've actually just heard that that's been, what was that? I guess end of last year, um, the TTB announced that a decision's been made and that they'll soon let us know um, but we're actually now going to get that term, that designation, American single malt, passed and in the books for American whiskey. That's really exciting. What are the the fundamentals that people have to follow to to meet that designation? So we kept it pretty simple. We didn't want to make a lot more rules about what you couldn't do rather than what you could do to to call it, you know, American single malt. Uh, we often say these are these are handrails, not handcuffs. You know, these are guidelines um, because again, for us. Craft distillation, like craft brewing in the States, a lot of the compelling elements come from the experimentation and the innovation. So we didn't really want to stifle anyone's creativity with this. But, um, you know, yes, we also want a standard. We want a definition. And we want the consumer to understand what they're getting into when they pick up a bottle and it has that label. So they're pretty simple. Um, American single malt, it must be made from 100% malted barley. Pretty easy there. It doesn't right? have to be American, uh, American grain? It doesn't have to be American grown, no, um, but it must be 100% malted barley. So exactly, right? You can source your barley from wherever you'd like. Yeah. Um, it must be distilled entirely at one distillery. Um, now, that doesn't say that distillery can't turn around and sell it to someone else. 
Um, but it all must be have been made by one distillery um, for it to actually go then into a bottle and be called American Single Malt. It also must be mashed, distilled, and matured in the United States. It must be distilled to no more than 80% ABV, which is a pretty standard uh, whiskey rule, I'd say. You know, once you're, if you're distilling above that, it's pretty neutral. It really doesn't have much character to it. That's why we kind of set that one down there. Um, also bottled at uh, no less than 40%. Again, a pretty standard whiskey term. Um, then the last one, which I, I think also leaves a lot of, um, <clears throat> a lot of things open to interpretation is actually a pretty big step out of the box for American whiskey is that um, matured in oak casks, no larger than 700 liters. And so this is actually, I think, the first term, first designation for American whiskey to not specify that you have to go into new American oak barrels. You'll also notice there's no age minimum here as well. So if you knew as a producer, if you want to go into a five liter cask, if you think that's great for your whiskey, then you know absolutely go for it. If you think that at eight months or 10 months that your, your American single malt is ready to be put into the market, then go for it. You know, the, the consumer will decide, right? But we want people to have the option. Coming up with a set of rules like that, it can be quite contentious and there's always going to be some people that think you went too far and some that think you haven't gone far enough. <laughs> always. Was that difficult? No, you know, and what's great is, you know, in forming this commission, we've now, gosh, we've got probably over 150 uh, member producers now that have joined the commission as well. Um, you know, and in that way, I think it's great, you know, this, this sort of ethos we have in the crafts world of all ships rise with the tide, right? And sort of strength in numbers. Um, and yeah, of course, there's always going to be varying opinions. Um, but what was really nice about this, and even in through, you know, pushing the legislation through, this was bipartisan. We saw no opposition really anywhere. Um, everyone's really excited for this to come forward. And so, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time for American single malt. I mean, we've been cracking at it for almost 20 years now, and we feel like it's, it's having its moment that we've, we've finally arrived. I actually just saw that, uh, Jack Daniels is about to release an American single malt. So I know that we've, we've arrived when a large brand like that is actually using our term on a label. I actually came to Australia in 2019 to help launch Westward. And it was the first time I'd been outside of the U.S. market uh, talking about American single malt. And it was so refreshing to see how people here immediately understood just conceptually what we're doing. You know, it's, we're making single malts in the United States. Um, that's been such an uphill battle for us in our domestic market, because again, we come from the land of bourbon. So when you say whiskey in the States, people assume you mean bourbon and they're going to just keep thinking that you're talking about bourbon. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a bit of a hurdle for us for a while. I, I think as, as time goes on and this category grows now more and more, people really are understanding what we're up to. And then now they're, they're really diving into the craft world. You know, we're making single malt all over the country and, you know, it's, it's a big country. So you think about, you know, us in Portland, Oregon and the you know, Pacific Northwest there, someone like Balcones down in Texas making single malt, you know, down that way. If you were to sort of transpose that over a map of Europe, you know, you're talking about Scotland and then, you know, like Turkey. Right. And it's very, very different areas of, of aging your whiskey and, and, and it's made all over. And so I like that. You know, we have this experimentation, we have these innovations. Um, I don't think we're going to have regional styles really pop up. I think just because it is more about the maker's style and their influence, 
you know, someone like Balcones who, you know, yeah, they get their malt from Scotland. You know, they just, that's what they want to do. Um, you know, or, you know, but you talk about the Pacific Northwest, we've got Westland, we've got Copperworks. Copperworks also, you know, a single malt maker that's heavily influenced by brewing as well. I think you're definitely going to see some of those influences from, you know, particular malt makers in areas. But um, yeah, it's just great to see whiskey appreciators, consumers in the States really start to branch out more, you know, and kind of not just that sort of, it's scotch or it's bourbon. We actually formed our own club through the brand Westward now actually has a whiskey club that's nationwide in the States. And it's huge. There's a demand for it now. It's, it's where we release, you know, all of these exclusive sort of never before seen one-off experimentations we did, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And it's doing really well, which to me is a sign that people are really appreciating single malt in the States. Why would you say Oregon is a good place to be making quality single malt whiskey? Yeah, well, you know, Obviously, it's an ideal climate for, you know, growing all these amazing ingredients for beer and therefore whiskey. It's also great for aging as well. So, um, you know, we're in the Willamette Valley. We're between two mountain ranges. We've got the Pacific Ocean to our west on the other side of a range that influences a lot of the weather that we get. Um, obviously, a lot of rain there in the Pacific Northwest. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty temperate climate. You know, to our east over the other mountain range there is grasslands, high elevation deserts, really pretty dry. So we're kind of tucked in between these two um, very different uh, weather regions and we're just kind of protected there in the valley. So, you know, we've got these long, wet, cool winters, but pretty hot, short, dry summers. Uh, we actually do get four distinct seasons there as well. So, you know, aside from, again, just these great growing regions for our, our raw materials, the climate itself really lends to aging uh, single malt quite nicely. You know, we don't have those really, really cold extremes where aging will stall out, you know, during the colder months. We also don't have those extremely high temperatures like you'd find, you know, somewhere around Kentucky or Tennessee, where, you know, you're just getting these like really strong, strong, almost like stringent, sometimes, you know, over the top barrel notes in your whiskey. So, yeah, it's just kind of for us the ideal place to have it. Now, when you met Christian, how long did it kind of take you to settle on, you know, the Westwood production ethos, um, you know, some of the, you know, the things that are unique to Westwood? So uh, using, you know, an ale yeast and the slow, low temperatures and, and that type of thing. Starting in 2004, you know, there were maybe three dozen craft distillers in the entire country. You know, we've got well over 2,000 now. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, we had some opportunity to you know, carve out some pathways to a few different things. And one of those was American single malt. And, you know, so for us, uh, you know, American craft brewing was really put on the map uh, with, you know, our innovations and our techniques and experimenting and, you know, just kind of going off the map a bit. And so we wanted to do that with whiskey as well. And of course, being brewers, you know, we're inspired by that. And so when we're talking about flavor profile, even it's, well, okay, if we're going to use barley, let's use a brewer's barley. So, you know, it's all grown in the Pacific Northwest. It's malted just down the road, but it's, it's basically brewer's base malt is what brewers would call it. It's a two row high color base malt. So um, for us, this, you know, before it even gets into the mash tun has a ton of flavor um, and something very reminiscent of beer, those nutty notes, those really great um, roasty, grassy notes all coming from the malt. Um, and then with the ale yeast as well, you know, it's pretty atypical for an American whiskey to 
um, be fermented with an ale yeast. And we're actually using the Sierra Nevada pale ale yeast strain, what brewers call the Cali yeast or the Chico yeast. And this is another hallmark of American craft flavor. Um, you know, that pale ale really set a standard and put America, you know, on the map for craft brewing. Um, and those are just great notes, you know, floral, fruits, um, nice, rich honey notes as well. All that comes from the fermentation. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, brewing is in our DNA, but it also helped inform what we thought American single malt should be. I recall that I think you do mature your whiskies in new American oak like bourbon producers do. But are there differences in the sort of application of oak at Westwood? That's a great question. Yes, we're, we're going into new charred American oak. So this is a hybrid of styles. You know, we're, we're essentially making a pale ale that we distill, pot distill like we would a scotch, and then aging it like a bourbon. And um, again, going back to what we think American single malt should be, or what we can offer the world, you know, as far as a, a point of differentiation, that's another hallmark, I think, of an American whiskey that people tend to expect or, you know, is, is that new oak flavor, the vanilla and the baking spice, um, those notes that you're getting, you know, that coconut, um, that's something that we thought should still be in the whiskey. And yeah, it is a delicate balance though, definitely. I mean, going into new oak, it's very assertive. It's got a lot to give. Um, so I use a medium char, which is a two char oak um, that's been aged for 18 months, air cured wood. So, you know, it kind of breaks down some of the linens, you get some softer tannins, and so, yeah, I mean, we're really looking for a nice balance between the spirit um, and the wood and um, not looking to over-oak too much. Yeah, there's sort of a conventional wisdom when people talk about malt-style whiskey that, you know, the cask contributes 60 or maybe even 70% of, of the flavour. How do you think that Westwood's sort of ethos fits with that? Because obviously... You don't want to be going to all this effort that you are to express the flavor of the grain and then be covering it up with um, too much oak. No, you're exactly right. And we, we kind of take that and flip it on its head where I, I want 60 to 70% of the overall character in the whiskey to come from those raw materials, from that beginning part of the process. Again, that's just where all of our hard work is going into initially in selecting the grain, how we process it, um, into that fermentation. You know, even our fermentation is essentially a beer fermentation. It's its an enclosed vessel that's, you know, 96 to 120 hours at a very low temperature. Um, we're really intentional with the, the characters that we're creating at the beginning of the process so that when it comes to, yeah, balancing that out with the wood, you know, it's, it's really just putting our trust in the beginning of the process and our know-how in uh, making the wash and making the white dog the way we want. Um, I mean, even, you know, we, we call the white dog barley eau de vie at the distillery. It's just got so much character to it. Really, really delicious. Um, we're able to take pretty wide cuts um, because we do have such a great, careful fermentation on our side. And, you know, we've, we've got these pot stills that are very low reflux. Um, not a lot of refinement in these pot stills. So any kind of, you know, fermentation sins that you may have committed earlier on will definitely be highlighted in the process. So, so yeah, I mean... Applying, you know, wood and, and the, the elements of maturation, you know, it's, it takes a bit of deafness. Um, but really, a lot of our work is up front because Westward, you know, it's on the younger side. We don't put age statements on the whiskey, but um, you know, it's about a six-year-old whiskey. So it's, it's not too long before it's ready. 
Now, since I came over, as you said, in 2019, the before times and, um, and, and sat down for a podcast with Thomas, you know, there's been a bunch of new releases that have come out since then. Maybe you could run us through some of those. Wow. Yeah. A lot's changed since then. <laughs> sure, definitely. I Sim- mean, the simpler times, simpler times. Wow. So since then, yeah, I think though in Australia, it, it would have just been our, our classic expression that um, would have been here at that time. I think maybe uh, which, the launch of the Pinot Noir cask through the Whiskey Club happened just before I came over um, from memory. Yeah, the Whiskey Club. Yes, yeah. yeah, we've been working with them for a while too. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so back then, right? Wow. And in, in the meantime, um, yeah. So, American Single Malt Original is what we call the sort of flagship Westward. Um, it's really what it's all about. Everything else we do is based off that one. Um, and that's, you know, what we've been talking through this whole time, that whole process. We're, um, you know, at about six years, I'm blending, you know, maybe 18 or 20 barrels together at a time to produce that original expression. Um, you mentioned the Pinot. Um, and so Pinot cask or Pinot finish, as I call it um, sometimes, is... I guess our take on a wine finish for single malt, you know, it's pretty ubiquitous in the single malt world to use wine finishes, even fortified wine finishes, right? Like a port or a sherry cask, something like that. Um, for us being in the Willamette Valley there, you know, there's a wine region just outside of Portland where there's world-class Pinot Noir makers, um, really, really pretty amazing stuff. And, you know, we like Westward to say, let's say, speak of its origins, um, to have some provenance. Um, we're really into the idea of westward, um, just giving a sense of place. And so for us, rather than, you know, reaching halfway across the world to get a sherry or port barrel, um, we've got these Pinot Noir casts right here that, uh, you know, are coming from amazing winemakers, people that we know, you know, whose wine we love. And so that's Pinot Cask, where I'm taking a nearly mature westward out of its original oak barrel and then putting it into these Pinot Noir casts for an additional year. So, of course, it's going to pick up some really great wine notes, amazing fruit notes. Um, but then we're also swapping out the oak element there as well. We're going into French oak now, uh, the Quercus Rover, right? So some herbaceous notes, some, again, softer tannins, grassiness, going to pick all of that up. But um, I do a full year of this because, again, we have distinct seasons and I like the spirit to cycle through a full year. So it's really integrated with all those other elements that we've introduced rather than just some kind of flavoring notes. Um it's actually adding to the character of the whiskey because as a finish, you know, I, I want it to integrate fully and really highlight some elements of Westward that are already there and just kind of turn that up a bit with the Pinot. Um, and that's fun. You know, we, we are able to get the barrels the day they're emptied. You know, it's, it's a wet fill. They're not rinsed uh, because these wineries are so close. We can usually pick them up the day they're emptied and get whiskey right into them. So a nice Pinot influence on that for sure. And then the, the stout cask um, has also been in Australia for a little while now as well. It has, yeah. And that's that's um, a similar process where, you know, I'm, I'm taking nearly mature westward and putting it into barrels that have held stout beer for an additional year. Um, this is actually our barrel. So we, we've set up a, a sort of trade all around Oregon with brewers there. We'll, we'll empty westward barrels, send them over to brewers. They'll fill with stouts, you know, get their whiskey barrel aged stout going and then when they're done send them back to me um, so there are actually westward barrels that are returning um, and again a wet fill um, not rinsed because they're so close you know with the proximity of these breweries 
we're able to get them right away and fill them back in. So there's this really nice layer of stout still in that barrel. Um, and in this instance, um, you know, we're highlighting obviously more of the grainy notes of Westward, the chocolatey, roasty sort of brown sugar sweet notes. Those are all turned up a bit in this stout finish, which, you know, this kind of came about by really just, again, natural progression, being ex-brewers, brewers asking for barrels all the time. And it just seemed like it'd be a great flavor match with Westward and just the rich characteristics of a single malt. Now, we're talking upon the launch of cask drinks in Australia. Has it been available in the US for a while now? Yeah, it's just launched here. It's been, gosh, maybe a year and a half in the States that's been available. And, you know, it seems like as as the whiskey consumer, the educated consumer becomes more and more involved in drinking whiskey and appreciating whiskey that there seems to be more and more of a demand for a high, you know higher proof offerings. Um, what I love about the cast strength is you know it's really well balanced. It's really very approachable. It's at sixty two point five percent, but um, again balanced. Really, just it's still got its full characteristics, of course, coming out of the barrel at full strength. Um, but it's really approachable. It, it isn't fiery. It's it's a really nice thing to sip, and I think it's really unique in that way that Westward offers you know this this high strength. Um, bottling, but um, dangerously smooth, I'll say. Yeah. And are there any particular characters that come out really different at that strength? I wouldn't say it's a it's a different whiskey. It's just all of those things are, are turned up a lot more. You know, you're getting more of the malt, more of the roastiness and the brown sugar, um, those good barrel characteristics as well, that kind of baking spice, coconut and vanilla. Um, everything's just really turned up. I think what stands out for me the most, though, what I really appreciate about the cast strength is the stone fruit element of it. Um, Westward's always got this great stone fruit characteristic going on, but with the cast strength, it's just really turned up. Some nice like peach and apricots and then a little tropical fruit as well. Some nice mango really comes through pretty heavily in the cast strength. It's a really delicious drop. Is this a whiskey, you know, to be to be enjoyed neat? as well or is it um i mean it must be pretty pretty good to work with in cocktails and stuff as well oh absolutely absolutely yeah i mean great neat that's how i like it but i'm also a distiller so i'm used to high proof yeah. <laughs> um you know yeah a couple drops of water to open it up highball i think yeah i mean great in the cocktail i really like the cast strength and even like an old-fashioned really really tasty but you know i think uh, really you should uh, appreciate it however you want now, we mentioned the Pinot Noir that I think might have been the first thing you guys released in Australia through the Whiskey Club, and there's since been the Westwood Whiskey Rum Cask, which seems to have been really well received over here. Tell me about that one. Where did you source the finishing barrels for for that one? Yeah, yeah, that was a fun project. It's It's been great, actually. We've, you know, we've done a few releases now through the Whiskey Club, and they're they're a ton of fun. It's just... Uh, a great way to introduce things, you know, that are new to the market here. Um, also, you know, they've got some amazing people on their staff, really good whiskey experts. So it's just always fun to work with them. And as you mentioned before, yeah, we've done some, some Pinot cast releases with them. And yeah, we were all keen to do, you know, kind of one of a bigger release for them. Um, you know, when it comes to any kind of innovation, experimentation at Westward, uh, we've got to have a vision, you know, there's really, it's, it's got to be sort of a natural feel to kind of get where we're going with any of these experimentations. And uh, the rum cask is a perfect example of that. Um, so we worked with Casa Magdalena, 
Um, they're out of Guatemala and they're actually affiliated with the distillery. Um, and uh, we'd actually been working with them for years uh, on some sort of collaboration where we wanted to have them make a rum down there, but we wanted to age the rum up here. I say up here, I'm in Sydney, up in Portland, <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, so this collaboration started with a different collaboration. And so, you know, we worked in conjunction with their distillers about the stills they were going to use, the style of yeast they were going to use for the rum. And then when the new make was finished, they shipped it up to Oregon. And I bought a bunch of old Brown Foreman used Brown Foreman barrels and put the new make into those barrels. And that's what we uh, ended up using for the rum cask finish. So, um, yeah, I got these really nice kind of tropical fruit banana notes from the barrel onto the rum. And the rum itself is just really, really delicious. And uh, it turned out that, like I said, one collaboration gave way to another in that, um, you know, we started emptying all these rum barrels at the barrel house. I'd done a couple experiments with some rum finish with Westward, and it was just outstanding. So um, that's what we went forward with for the Whiskey Club, uh, which actually we released at cast strength as well, 62.5%. And it was a hit. And, you know, that led to, of course, just the popularity of that release and the warm reception it got here. Um, to now we're going to make it a, a part of our permanent lineup. We'll probably release it later this year at a much lower proof. But uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, another way to, again, release something out to the world, see what people think of it. And, uh, you know, that helps inform where we're going with the whiskey. What is it about the rum cast character that you think works so well with your spirit? Well, you know, my one concern actually in putting Westward into a rum barrel, uh, Westward is... You know, it's a big whiskey. It's robust. It's rich. It's got a really nice sweetness to it, um, but it's always balanced. And, you know, my one concern was that, yeah, going into these rum barrels, which are also really rich and on the sweet side would actually be too sweet, but it actually just introduced a different element of sweetness and a few more layers of complexity. Uh, it, there's this really nice sort of um, cane sugar element to it, burnt sugar, almost like a you know, kind of caramelized or creme brulee element to it. Um, you know, the ripe fruit you get in Westward, like I said, is more sort of that mango and stone fruit. This introduced like pineapple, ripe pineapple, stewed pineapple. Um, it, for me, in, in Westward, I get a lot of tobacco. Um, and, in, and in this rum cask version, uh, that was really turned up into this sort of rich like Cavendish tobacco note. Um, so, yeah, it just added a, a few different elements of, of sweetness and phenolics that really just gave it a lot more depth. It's really delicious. Awesome. Now, we're talking upon the launch of cask strength in Australia. Has it been available in the U.S. for a while now? It's been, gosh, maybe a year and a half in the States that's been available. Um, you know, it seems like as as the whiskey consumer, the educated consumer becomes more and more involved in drinking whiskey and appreciating whiskey that there seems to be more and more of a demand for a high, you know, higher proof offerings. Um, what I love about the cast strength is, you know, it's really well balanced. It's really very approachable. It's at 62.5%, but um, again, balanced really just, it's still got its full characteristics, of course, coming out of the barrel at full strength. Um, but it's really approachable. It, it isn't fiery. It's it's a really nice thing to sip. And I think it's really unique in that way that Westward offers, you know, this this high strength um, bottling, but um, dangerously smooth, I'll say. Yeah. 
And are there any are there any particular characters that, that, that come out really different at that strength? I wouldn't say it's a it's a different whiskey. It's just all of those things are, are turned up a lot more. You know, you're getting more of the malts, more of the roastiness and the brown sugar, um, those good barrel characteristics as well, that kind of baking spice, coconut and vanilla. Um, everything's just really turned up. I think what stands out for me the most, though, what I really appreciate about the cast strength is the stone fruit element of it. Um, Westward's always got this great stone fruit characteristic going on, but with the cast strength, it's just really turned up. Some nice like peach and apricots, um, and then a little tropical fruit as well. Some nice mango really comes through pretty heavily in the cast strength. It's a really delicious drop. Great neat. That's how I like it. But I'm also a distiller, so I'm used to high proof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a couple drops of water to open it up. Great in the cocktail. I really like the cast strength, um, even like an old fashioned. Really, really tasty. But you know, I think uh, really you should. Uh, Appreciate it however you want. Now, um, we mentioned the Pinot Noir that I think might have been the first thing you guys released in Australia through the Whiskey Club, and there's since been the Westwood Whiskey Rum Cask, which seems to have been really well received over here. Tell me about that one. Where did you source the finishing barrels for that one? Yeah, yeah, that was a fun project. It's it's been great actually. We've you know we've done a few releases now through the Whiskey Club, and they're they're a ton of fun. It's just uh, a great way to introduce things, you know, that are new to the market here. Um, also, you know, they've got some amazing people on their staff, really good whiskey experts. So it's just always fun to work with them. And as you mentioned before, yeah, we've done some some Pinot cast releases with them. And yeah, we were all keen to do, you know, kind of one of a bigger release for them. Um, you know, when it comes to any kind of innovation, experimentation at Westward, uh, we've got to have a vision, you know, there's really, it's, it's got to be sort of a natural feel to kind of get where we're going with any of these experimentations. And uh, the rum cask is a perfect example of that. Um, so we worked with Casa Magdalena. Um, they're out of Guatemala and they're actually affiliated with the distillery. Um, and uh, we'd actually been working with them for years uh, on some sort of collaboration where we wanted to, have them make a rum down there, but we wanted to age the rum up here. I say up here, I'm in Sydney, up in Portland, <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, so this collaboration started with a different collaboration. And so, you know, we worked in conjunction with their distillers about the stills they were going to use, the style of yeast they were going to use for the rum. And then when the new make was finished, they shipped it up to Oregon. And I bought a bunch of old Brown Foreman used Brown Foreman barrels and put the new make into those barrels. And that's what we uh, ended up using for the rum cask finish. So um, yeah, I got these really nice kind of tropical fruit banana notes from the barrel onto the rum and the rum itself is just really, really delicious. And uh, it turned out that, like I said, one collaboration gave way to another in that, um, you know, we started emptying all these rum barrels at the barrel house. I'd done a couple experiments with some rum finish with Westward and it was just outstanding. So. Um, that's what we went forward with for the Whiskey Club, uh, which actually we released at cast strength as well, 62.5%. Um, and it was a hit. Um, it was it was a great release to the Whiskey Club. And, um, man, I don't know if you got a chance to try it at all. I know it went pretty quickly. I didn't on this occasion, but um, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'll get to try it at some stage. Let's hope so. Yeah, well, and, you know, that led to, of course, just the popularity of that release and the warm reception it got here. 
um, to now we're going to make it a, a part of our permanent lineup. We'll probably release it later this year at a much lower proof. But uh, yeah, it's it's you know another way to again release something out to the world, see what people think of it, and uh, you know that helps inform where we're going with the whiskey. What is it about the rum uh, cask character that you think works so well with your spirit? Well, you know, my one concern actually in putting Westward into a rum barrel, uh, Westward is, you know, it's a big whiskey. It's robust. It's rich. It's got a really nice sweetness to it, um, but it's always balanced. And, you know, my one concern was that, yeah, going into these rum barrels, which are also really rich and on the sweet side would actually be too sweet, but it actually just introduced a different element of sweetness and a few more layers of complexity. Uh, it, there's this really nice sort of... Um, cane sugar element to it, burnt sugar, almost like a, you know, kind of caramelized or creme brulee element to it. Um, you know, the ripe fruit you get in Westward, like I said, is more sort of that mango and stone fruit. This introduced like pineapple, ripe pineapple, stewed pineapple. Um, it, for me, in Westward, I get a lot of tobacco. Um, and, in, and in this rum cask version, uh, that was really turned up into this sort of rich like Cavendish tobacco note. Um, so yeah, it just added a, a few different elements of, of sweetness and phenolics that really just gave it a lot more depth. It's really delicious. Awesome. And um, what about you know in Australia? When I spoke to Thomas, um, yeah, again going back a few years now, he was talking about how strong Westwood has grown over here. Is it still a good market for you guys? And what do you think it is about Westwood that's resonated with people so much? It's astounding. This is, yeah, Australia is our biggest market outside of the U.S. and like far and away our biggest market. And we're, we're in a, a fair amount of countries now. I think it's a, it's a number of things. Um, I mean, you also have an amazing craft distilling scene here as well. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's a big appreciation for single malt in general. But also I think there's sort of this exploratory attitude that that you have here in Australia you know you're, you're looking to try new things and you know interested in what people are doing and then again your your incredible distilling scene here too I mean I, I managed to get down to Tasmania the last time I was here and just the sheer number of malt distilleries on that island was just mind-blowing so yeah I, I think there's just a, a like-mindedness here Obviously, Australians, like everyone else, haven't been doing too much travel for a little while, but um, people are starting to, to venture out of the country again. Um, what awaits them if they, if they manage to come and visit you in, in Portland? Uh, that would be incredible. Yeah, anyone, everyone listening, open invitation to come visit Westwood. We love it. Um, yeah, I mean, we are <laughs> we're very approachable. We have no secrets in what we're doing in fact, we, we want to show everyone how we're making whiskey. We think it's a, a really cool thing. Um, the distillery is, it's in the heart of Portland. We're very much an urban distillery. We're in the southeast. And um, we've got a beautiful tasting room there. And, you know, we do tours daily. We show people through the whole process. We have people taste our wash, taste our new make, go all the way through. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun experience. And, of course, Portland's just got a ton of fun things going on. Obviously, a lot of breweries, great wineries. The food scene is amazing. Um, I feel like, you know, and you've been there, I think going, going to Portland really kind of ties it all together. You get a better idea of, of why Westward is what it is and why we're doing what we're doing the way we are. So yeah, we, we love people to visit. And of course, we've got a barrel house just outside of the city, kind of tucked away in the foothills of the Cascade Mountains. And we love showing that off too. So 
we're happy to be opened back up and have people come through because it's, it's really, you know, our great joy is in sharing what we do. Fantastic, Miles. Well, um, thanks so much for, for joining us on the show. And, um, yeah, congratulations on the launch of Cast Strength. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your time here. Absolutely, James. Yeah, good to see you again. Good to chat. And if you're in Australia, you can find the complete Westwood range, including Westwood Cast Strength, online at hairydog.com.au. Selected Westwood whiskies are also available from Dan Murphy's. The Drinks Adventures podcast is produced by me, James Atkinson, with additional production and mixing by Dave Robertson. You can find complete transcripts, links, and other information on the show at drinksadventures.com.au. You can follow me on all social media platforms at by James Atkinson. Like my Facebook page, James Atkinson Drinks Adventures, to be kept informed of podcast giveaways and other news about the show. The Drinks Adventures podcast needs your support as listeners. Please do us a favour and leave an honest review and rating for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. We love hearing your feedback and it helps inform other people this is a show worth listening to. Or simply drop us a line at hello at drinksadventures.com.au.